we thank you that your presence is with us. Wherever we are right now, you are there. Oh, how we praise you. How we thank you. Lord, we want to luxuriate in your presence for a moment. As people who are weary, as people who worry, as people who wonder, we want to release all of that to you right now. You're greater, and you're with us. There's a pang in our hearts today, Lord, not being able to be more connected with one another in one room, in one place. But you, you are connecting us. Not only through the blessing of the technology available to us, but even more through every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies afforded to us by the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, may we take strength from you today, receive guidance from you today, have courage in you today, be one in you today. Our prayer is that your name would be exalted, that your will would be fulfilled, that your kingdom would come. And Lord, our prayer is that your blessing would be upon us and upon our land. Not because we deserve it, Lord. Not because we've earned it. But because you and in your incredible magnanimity, your largesse, your enormity, and your love, you have decreed it. You have determined to bless and to heal. And so we call upon you that you would fulfill your word, for you always do. That you would redeem your people, for you already have. That you would reveal your plan. And even now, you bring it forth. You make it manifest and you carry it out. Glory be to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to do a little spacing. I want somebody to be able to come into this room and say, yes, there is a, a, a genuine space between people. For five years now, I've been calling you to come together. Now I'm saying spread apart. Spread out. Shift out a little bit. Normally at this time, we would be one another. We're not going to shake hands. We're not going to hug, but we're going to smile. You can say to the person six feet away from you, you can say, love, but don't hug. Show the love, but no handshake. Do try and make sure that there's minimum distance between you. That's part of our responsibility today. For those of you who are watching at home, reach out and wave our hello to you as well. We hug in the spirit. For any that might be guests with us streaming online today, my name is Pastor Courtney Hall and this is Praise Christian Fellowship. There are a few of us gathered here in the room, a small number, widely spread, and there are more that are participating online. It's impossible that anybody in this week 
has not already been made known of the fact that there is a major pandemic in our world. I wonder as I say those words, if anyone is feeling like, I'm tired of hearing about this. <laughs> yes, there's already been some affirmation of that in the room. Well, I feel with you. I'm there with you. But I've got to tell you, we've got to talk more about it. I know. Oh. Sometimes we remember that as a body, we are here gathered, whether in this room or gathered in the spirit, on a mission. And a mission isn't always easy. In fact, usually when I say the word mission, I've got a mission for you. The first thing that you and I think is not, oh, that's going to be relaxed and that's going to be easy and that's going to be comfortable. The first thing we think is that sounds like work. And that's right. The body does have work. This is a year of harvest. Amen. Amen. I want to reaffirm that for you. God knew what he was saying when he told us years ago that 2020 would be a year of harvest. And no matter what you're seeing right now, I assure you, God hasn't changed his mind and God hasn't changed his plan. In fact, our teaching today out of Ephesians chapter 3 is going to be very much about how God hasn't changed his plan from the beginning. But what wasn't known to us was known to him. You and I didn't know that this was going to come this year, but God did. And it's part of our mission. So I'm going to talk with you today about that. It's going to be a different kind of day. And it's going to be a challenging one in some ways, but it's also going to be a glorious one. I'm glad that we've begun it in worship, and I want to thank the worship team for leading us so ably this morning. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Normally at this time we would call the kids forward, but we're not going to do that today because we have put a hiatus on our children's ministries. As I've mentioned, I need to update you about where we're at in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. I know that many of you may have already been made aware of the fact that there was um, a statement that I put onto our website last night. If you're streaming online and you'd like to look at that, you can do so on our website, mypcf.org, there's an, uh, uh, an area, uh, a title at the top of the uh, page that says ministries. And if you click on that, you'll see in the drop-down menu, there's a pastor's blog line. And if you click on that, you'll see that there is a statement there. Now, if you're here in the room, you've got a copy of it. And this is the statement that we have put together about coronavirus and about our response to it. You think, well, you know, we're getting this everywhere, so couldn't we just have a, a break from that here? Well, there's several reasons why we can't. One is because it's made a major impact on how we as a church live and operate in this season, today and in the days immediately ahead of us, and for how long, we're not sure, but for a while anyway. So we need to talk about that so that we're all literally on the same page. The other thing is, even if you're tired of hearing about it, being tired of hearing about it doesn't mean that it's over. In fact, this is really just beginning. And we need to recognize that so that we can approach the situation not out of fear, but with faith, not out of confusion, but with clarity, and not just out of what we're hearing out of the world, but what with we know from within the Lord and in his word and in his spirit. 
Now, there's a lot entailed in all of that. And so I virtually never do this kind of thing. I virtually never prepare a written piece and then ask to read through it with you. But I'm going to do that today. And the reason I'm going to do that today is because I am very mindful that I have a particular responsibility and charge in this moment. And I want to be careful about what I say and how I say it because the situation, the subject, is important, it's highly charged, and I don't want to forget something important, and I want to make sure that I'm saying it right, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote things down. So if you've got this letter in front of you, we're gonna read it together. If you're at home and you wanna look at it online, you can do that, or you can listen to me. It's an update on where we stand. As we are all aware now, COVID-19, which is the scientific name for the disease caused by the coronavirus, has become officially labeled as a pandemic, and there's many expanding impacts that it's making on our daily lives. The first thing I want to do in this letter and today is encourage you. And there's a scripture there, Joshua 1.9. I'd like us to read it together. Even you at home, will you read this aloud? This is one of the ways that we'll align. It may feel a little funny to read it out loud at home alone, but there will be strength in our common declaration. Let's read this together, that bolded sentence there. Joshua 1.9, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now read this next verse with me as well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. That's the root and that's the base in which we live, from which we speak, how we proceed in the confidence that God is not caught off guard by this. And he has a purpose in it. He has a purpose in this time. When we gathered on Wednesday night, a very small crowd also scattered here for our prayer meeting, as we will again this Wednesday night, we declared that in the midst of the hardships of this situation, and we realize that there are people that have been made ill all over the world. Sadly, there are people that have died all over the world. This is a serious situation. But in the midst of it, there is a silver lining to that dark cloud. Those people that have been made ill, those people that have passed and the trauma that their families have faced, there is nothing about that that draws anything other than compassion for us. But the situation of coronavirus does present an opportunity for us as people of the body of Christ. And that is to be people of courage, to be people of prayer, to be people of grace, of wisdom, and of fellowship. The leadership here and I have been in communication this week because obviously things have been moving very, very fast. And even the greatest experts and authorities on this, and I am not a medical expert, and I am not obviously a government authority, I'm just the pastor of this church. Praise be to God. I'm grateful for the role. Although in weeks like this, sometimes one may say to the Lord, are you sure you've got the right guy for this? Because I'll tell you that I'm sitting there listening to everything and hearing everything and reading everything I can, consulting with our denominational leadership, consulting with government agencies, with health agencies, looking at what has come out from the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And I'm reading up on all of this and trying to educate myself. And I'm saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right answer is to this. I read a wonderful article this week from a uh, 
uh, a, a pastor in Taiwan, I believe, or it may have been Singapore, talking about dealing with the question of, in the midst of coronavirus, should churches gather in person or not? And I want to say that that's a very difficult question to answer. Now, some people in the world might think it's easy to answer because they're only seeing it from one perspective. They only see the gathering of a church service as yet another social gathering, an organizational gathering. And I don't expect people in the world to see it as anything other than that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, ask them to, even, per se. Because if you're of the worldly mindset, that's all you're going to see. But what I do say is that as members of the body, we must recognize that this is more than just that. This is not the same as just gathering for a meeting. This is not the same as just gathering for a performance. This is about coming together as the body of Christ. And there is something profoundly real in the spirit realm. So it's invisible, but it's powerful. I want you to say that, will you? Invisible, but powerful. It's invisible because it's in the spirit, but it's powerful because it's of the spirit, and it happens in the room. Now listen, there's an invisible connection in the spirit between you and I via the internet today. Hallelujah. And it's not just via the internet. It's via the internet and the Holy Spirit. But one thing that's true, and this is why we've asked people to stay at home if they can, is that you can't catch coronavirus from me today if you're home streaming. You can't. And I can't catch it from you. In fact, here in this room, we wouldn't even be able to see it because it's invisible. But it's powerful. And I want to say that those two things are both true. You are separated today because we respect and recognize that there's an epidemic in our midst, and we need to do everything we can to flatten the curve, as you have heard, and reduce the spread, because even though we can't see it, it's powerful. But if we're not in the same room with each other, if we're not in close proximity, it can't be communicated. But here's something we need to realize as the body of Christ. As precious as this connection online is, there is something that can be communicated here in the room that simply can't be over the internet. And that's a fact. So I'm grateful that we have this mechanism. And I don't believe by any means that the Holy Spirit cannot connect us across any and every distance. There is no amount of space nor any amount of time that can separate us in the Spirit. But there is a powerful communication of the Spirit that only happens in person. As the body of Christ, we need to know that, A, because it is a fact of life at all times, but B, because we are at a time where we may have to determine how do we continue to connect when at the same time the blessings of being together carry with them the curse of the possibility of communicable disease. And that's when someone like me says, I don't know the right answer. I know that I can't deny that viruses can be communicated in person, but I know that I also cannot deny that the body of Christ requires a physical connection. And the scripture says so. Hebrews chapter 10 says that you should not forsake the assembling together of each other. And that is not just a thing about our connection as a body that releases 
the power of God into our world. Now, it may be that as time advances and things progress, we get to the place where we're not even able to gather like this. It may not be wise to do so. It may not be legal to do so. And if that, if that comes to pass, I pray that it doesn't. But I also recognize that the reality of what is about to occur is not known to me, but it's known to God. So if that's what comes to pass, I want us to be prepared to make arrangement that we will still connect even if not in this room. Even if it's just two people. Two or more gathered in the name of Jesus and Jesus is present. But it is important that we connect. Even in small numbers, even from six feet apart, but where we are physically present with each other. We must not forsake that. Hebrews 10 said, especially as you see the day nearing. And what that is, is referring to the day of the end. I don't want to strike fear in anyone's heart. But this is a time when people are starting to think, could this be the end? I had somebody text me this week, kind of jokingly, tongue-in-cheek saying, is this the end? The end of the world? I don't think so, quite honestly, I, I don't. I think probably not. Because there have been times like this before. And there will probably be times like this again. A hundred years ago, the Spanish influenza, as it was known, devastated the globe. You know that <laughs> a thousand years ago or so, or I, I suppose it's more along the lines of 700 years or so, the, 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 the Black Death, the plague, decimated Europe. There have been times in the past where tremendous amounts of death have occurred because of disease and illness. That may not be bringing comfort to anyone right now, but what I want to say is, if you're concerned that this is the end, bear in mind things like this have happened before. But when that person texted me and said, do you think this is the end of the world? I thought in my heart, I think the world ended for me a long time ago in the sense of the world system. We've been called out of that. But now there's a world that's worried, and we've been called into it to carry a message of hope. Whether this is the end now or whether the end is far off, the reality is you and I are coming to the conclusion of our lives at some point much sooner than most of us expect, even if it's decades away. And we don't want to be living in the fear that tries to hold on to our life. We want to be living in the faith that lays hold of the life of the Lord. So in these times, there's an opportunity for us to be a witness. But we have to do it wisely. And so the leadership and I have tried to determine, according to the counsel available to us, according to the recommendations of authorities like our governor and the federal government and the state and county officials, and according to the word and the spirit and much prayer and one another. And in all that consultation, we've determined these things. First of all, say this number one summary point with me. Don't panic. Don't panic. Pray. pray. Don't panic, but pray. We have decided that according to the recommendations which allow for small gatherings under certain sizes, as long as social distancing measures can be taken, which include keeping a radius between family clumps of at least six feet, diligent hand hygiene, Really, honestly, you would be amazed what the statistics and the medical professionals say about the efficacy, that is, how effective it is simply for people to wash their hands. 
And you know what? The Lord said that thousands of years ago. Wash your hands and wash your hearts. Well, I'm not kidding. Wash your hands. And when you're here at church, you've got to do that. We owe that to one another. We owe that to our community. Wash your hands frequently and well with antibacterial soap and warm water. Vigorously dry them well. And then keep those hands from touching anything else. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your friend's face. Don't shake hands. Try to avoid touching surfaces, he said as he leaned on the pulpit. Well, I'm trusting that this is anointed by the Lord. But it's also cleaned by us. And that's another thing that we are doing. Our staff here is being diligent to clean the common surfaces of this space to keep it safe as possible. And to bathe it in prayer. Um, I have some slides that I want to share with you, and I'm just going to hail those from the guys in the booth because as I'm going through this letter, there's some of that that I want to share with you. Thank you. I'm going to come back here. I guess I thought I had something there that I don't. My fault, not theirs. Uh, prayer is what makes a pivotal difference, and that'll be a major focus of our commentary today. Pray in this space to purify this space. Pray in this space that people streaming with us also would share in that prayer that the space you're in and the house or the apartment building or the condo that it's in would be blessed. That the neighborhood that you're in would be blessed with the healing presence of God, with the cleansing work of the Spirit. And don't doubt that that makes a difference. It's invisible, but it's powerful. Now, the world is rejecting that notion. Don't get upset by that, but don't get distracted or discouraged by it either. It isn't the world that God is asking to pray. It's his people that he's asking to pray. And he's asking that his people would show the world how powerful prayer is. I saw somebody post this week on a social site because the vice president and the, and the, the COVID response team uh, were, were photographed praying. This is not a political statement that I'm about to make. It has nothing to do with who the people were that were praying or what political party they are part of. I simply want to say this. Anybody who has any position of authority in this situation or any situation and determines that they want to ask God's grace and help for their, um, for their leadership and for their approach to how they're solving the problem, I say yes and amen to that. I say yes and amen to that. But people in the world were saying, oh, as if that's going to do any good. You know, what we need is science and medicine. Well, they're not mutually exclusive, friends. I agree, science and medicine. In fact, I pray to God that God would grant wisdom to the scientists and the doctors, the physicians and the epidemiologists and the experts and the, the rank and file of physicians and physician's assistants and nurses and nursing aides and medical professionals and many of you and you streaming are those and I pray God cover you, God protect you, God bless you, God give you wisdom, God give your patients health. I believe in prayer, but I'm not looking for the world to recognize it. But in any case, that person said, what do they think? That the United States is gonna have a better result than other nations because they pray? Well, may it be so, but not so that any other nation would be put down, but so that people anywhere could be raised up 
And may that be a model for nations everywhere. And believe me, it is not just in the United States that officials are praying. There are people all over the world that are praying. And God bless them. We are with you in your prayers. That the Lord would give wisdom to presidents and premiers, to pastors and priests, to bishops and governors, to doctors and nurses, to agencies and oversight and everywhere that there is an open heart and an available mind, may the mind of God and the hand of God be at work through prayer. But we have determined that in the context in which it is now allowed to us, it seems to be reasonably safe for us to gather in this way. Now, some people might say, why are you continuing to have a service? I want to mention that you can see there in the bullet points, we have restricted most of our gatherings. We will not be having youth group and youth gatherings for the immediate future during this time of response to the pandemic. We have um, put on hiatus our discovery groups, the men's and women's and couples gatherings. It doesn't mean that those ministries are not occurring, though. They can occur through phone calls. They can occur on, on reasonable one-on-one -on -one interactions as you individually may see fit, bearing in mind the, the, the risks of that involved. Um, and through social media platforms and through email and texting and through prayer. The, the ministries remain vital as long as you and I are vitally connected to the Lord and one another through prayer and through those extended mechanisms. But we won't be formally hosting gatherings of those groups. Um, in terms of Bible studies and home groups, that will be at the discretion of those group leaders. But we do ask leaders that if you are going to gather, that you do so in numbers that are small enough that you can maintain social distancing that you avoid sharing food because the preparation and sharing of food, as precious as it is to us, creates another vector by which infection can occur. And so it's much simpler and better for you simply to avoid that kind of interaction in this season. We ask that uh, you would um, make it known to people who are high risk in your group that it is probably wiser for them to remain at home. People in a higher age bracket who are under a greater risk of infection, 60, age 60 and over, the immunocompromised. I'm one of the immunocompromised, by the way. I'm in a high-risk group. Not, not that I am trying to make any braggadocia about that, but as somebody with uh, a, an autoimmune condition, rheumatoid arthritis, God has miraculously and wonderfully delivered me from so many of those symptoms that my rheumatologist often says to me when I come in, oh yeah, you're the patient that I have to remind myself actually has RA because uh, looking at you, I'd never think that you have RA, but when I look at your x-rays, then I can see, oh yeah, you have RA. I, I do, I have this minimal low-lying condition that I praise the Lord he's allowed me to maintain that because it gives me a point of, of reminding me of my weakness and my need of him. But part of the very low dosage medication I'm on Part of its side effect is that it does suppress my immune system, which means that I'm at a higher risk of infection. I'm not worried about that, but I'm, I recognize it. <laughs> you know, this week, the Lord was speaking to me a lot about speak to the mountain to be moved into the sea, and if you have faith, it will be moved. Maybe you've seen this graphic about flattening the curve. That big mountain there is cases, potential cases of coronavirus. But if you speak to that mountain 
and believe that it could be moved into the sea, then by faith it can be done. But you've got to believe that it can be moved. But the Lord reminded me of something. Faith that moved mountains is not faith that denies that the mountain is there. Faith that moves mountains is not faith that denies that the mountain is a mountain. Nor is it faith that denies that the sea is a sea. It's faith that recognizes that God is God. Greater than the mountain, greater than the sea, higher than the mountain, broader than the sea, stronger than the mountain, stronger than the sea. And even a little bit of faith in that is enough to move the mountain into the sea. So, I'm not saying that any of us should be lacking in faith. But part of our faith also is recognizing that God has given us the mechanisms, the experts, the medicines that he so that we might make use of them. And so there is wisdom in recognizing if you're in a high-risk category, if you're older, if you have a compromised immune system, if you have a chronic condition that's among those that are listed as putting you at greater risk for infection of COVID, or that recognizes that if you were to get COVID, it could have a stronger impact on you, then you are wiser to stay home. Many of you have already contacted me and said, you know, Pastor, I'm in that category and I'm going to stay home. Bless you. That's wise. And we acknowledge your faith. There is no lack of faith for staying home. In fact, it is an act of faith to say, I'm going to stay home, but I'm still going to stream. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to be connected. And your faith is moving mountains also. But your wisdom is modeling good behavior. And it's not just about you or me. It's also about the fact that even with low or no symptoms, we could potentially be someone who carries this to someone else. That's really important because we need to recognize that we don't want to put anyone else in harm's way just because we feel confident in the Lord. So we need to be mindful and respectful of avoiding unnecessary contact. I have cleared my calendar of social engagements or even professional engagements that are not absolutely pressing. And any that are absolutely pressing, I have tried to move those to phone calls or to uh, you know, Skype or whatever or email. And that has nothing to do with me being particularly afraid. In fact, I can tell you I'm standing in front of you today and I'm not afraid. But I don't know. I don't know whether I will uh, get the virus or not. I'm believing by faith that I won't. But I recognize that God is sovereign, and if that's the path that lays before me, then God will use that, and there will be an opportunity for me to witness in that. Here's a reality that might be encouraging to you. According to what experts say, and I'm not an expert myself, but according to what I read, the majority of people who contract the virus have a relatively mild reaction to it. Or it isn't necessarily worse than your average cold or flu, or it could be a bad cold and flu. But it does seem to spread in ways that are different, and we know very little about it. And there is obviously the recognition that for some people, and it may be a significant number of people, it can be very devastating, require hospitalization, and even be lethal. This is one reason why we're doing what we're doing. We have reduced and removed gathering points as we have in order to flatten the curve. Here's the guy that's saying, well, it's just cold or flu, it's no big deal. But the wise woman says, and the wise man would say the same, it's not a time to panic 
But it is wise to be cautious and careful and to observe the things that we've been told to do, to avoid unnecessary and large gatherings, to wash hands and avoid um, um, touching face. And yeah, somebody online said, well, you just touched your face. I did. It's hard. We've got to remember, right? I just, you know, it happens. But we do our best. And I did wash my hands right before I came up here. And yet, what this does is not necessarily mean that nobody's going to get it, obviously. People are going to be diagnosed with this. And some people are going to have a harder time with it than others. And there have already been deaths. And unfortunately, the reality is there are likely to be more. But if we can slow the spread of the disease, at least some experts feel that that's a wise way to approach it because it can help manage our resources. But if that's the case, why are we having any gatherings at all? I've said that we are concluding many of these other things for the time being. Why have any gathering this morning at all? Well, for one thing, in order for us to stream a service, and we are determined that we will have a prayer meeting, we will have a time of teaching and worship in the Lord, in order for us to do that, we have to have something to stream. And especially with everything that happened so quickly this week, what we knew was we needed to have a worship team, even if it was a small-scale worship team, and they did a great job. We needed to have the infrastructure of the media support here, and we needed to have a pastor preaching. And so in, the, in, in that is our gathering. But we also determined that the value of this person-to-person -person contact is so significant that as long as we are legally allowed to and the recommendations don't prohibit it and we can observe the, the spacing that has been uh, called for, we want to gather as often as we can, or that is to say, as long as we can. We're just going to do this on Sunday nights and on Wednesday evenings. Wednesday evening, our gathering is usually half a dozen people. It's very easy for us to scatter out. But I do want you to be aware that you do take a calculated risk coming here. And it's not just a risk that you are taking yourself, but it's a risk that you carry into the community with you. So again, somebody might say, well, why not just stream it all from a laptop? We may get to the place where we have to do that. And if we do, I will do that. Brother Marco and I will work out the mechanisms by which we can put up worship and a teaching on the web, even with nobody gathered in this room. But as I mentioned before, we will still call for small groups to gather together because there is a person-to-person -person connection in homes even that is vital, at least in as much as we are able to. And I, I, I think that even in the worst case scenarios, that should still be able because there's a balance. There are protections that we observe by not being together. But there are also blessings that we will forego if we're not together. And my feeling from the Lord is every person must determine in their own heart what is wisdom for them. And every church must do the same. And so there are churches that have determined to go completely online or even to be quiet for these weeks. And God bless those churches. We trust that the Lord is speaking to those leaders and we affirm their decisions because God utilizes different churches and different leaders in different places in different ways. And then there are other churches like us that are doing online but also having a small gathering. And what, we, what I feel the Lord said to me was, let each one in its place hear from me and do as they feel best in their heart before the Lord. 
It's sort of like the Lord talking to you about your giving. Let each one to determine what he or she will give and then give gladly. So it is right for some people to stay home. Families with young kids, the elderly, those with a weakened condition or chronic conditions, or maybe just somebody who says, you know, I've prayed to the Lord and I have to be, I have to be in a hospital every day for my job. And I don't feel it's right for me to go and be at church and possibly expose myself to something that could cause damage in my hospital. Loved one, I agree with you if that's what you're sensing, if that's what your professional wisdom and your spiritual discernment is, then I agree with you. And there's no condemnation and there's no rejection. There's only love and connection. But somebody else might say, I want to be with the body right now. And I believe that I can do that in a way that's wise and doesn't expose others unnecessarily and doesn't make me uh, one that carries something unnecessarily but I feel a charge to be with the body right now. We want to be a place where you can do that because we believe that there's power in us gathering together. One more thing. I'm not often a pastor that talks a lot about giving because I know this is a congregation that is generous and you give and give as the Lord has put it in your heart. But one reality is fewer people here means fewer people giving. And we didn't even take an offering yet today. But I'd like to do that right now uh, in just a moment so you can prepare yourself. But for you that are streaming online, your giving is still vital. I know that one of the things that Christian leaders get accused of is being money greedy. If there's anybody who's a guest on our stream tonight, I'm just going to have to ask you by faith that you trust that that's not my attitude, that's not my heart. But I know that the people of PCF know that that's not what I'm about, that's not what we're about. But we do recognize that God has called us to give, that what we give into the plates of this congregation is what resources this church to do what it does. Some churches aren't able to stream online today because they don't have a budget for that. Your giving makes that possible. Your giving makes it possible for me to devote myself totally to this uh, position. I was so grateful for that this week because it took every moment that I had to even prepare myself and to keep the pace. And I thought of the pastors who are bivocational and trivocational and are trying to deal with making decisions with their congregation in the midst of having to deal with their other work. And I thank God and I thank you that your giving makes it possible for me and my family to devote ourselves to you. But your giving is needed and now more than ever because when people are not absent, I mean, when people are not present, giving is often absent. So if you're here, Thank you, and please continue to give. If you're online, you can give online. And if you're here, you can give online. Go to mypcf.org. Click on the Give button that's on top of the, uh, of the toolbar there on every page. It'll take you to a screen for giving, and you'll see a Donate button. You press that Donate button, and you can give using a credit card or a debit card. You can make it a recurring gift if you want to, or a one-time gift. If you're not comfortable or, or acquainted with online giving, or you prefer to give by a check, and you're not present, you can mail that check in. You know the church address, and it's there on the web. But your giving is vital. We need it. We need it to carry forward the work that the Lord has called us to do and to sustain this building that we're in. Even if it's not used for a time, it has costs associated with it. And surprisingly enough, you know, you might think that not, people not being present in the building makes it cheaper. Sometimes it's more expensive. It's kind of like a car. Don't use it, and you'll be surprised how much maintenance it suddenly needs. So thank you for giving. Finally, 
One of the reasons that we are gathered today is because the Lord, the, the Lord has called us to pray and the president has set this day aside as a day of prayer. And to me, that is a day in which we recognize that we need to be together. Look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. I saw it on, the, on Twitter this morning. I really don't often look at Twitter, but I got an alert that came through and I'm trying to keep pace with alerts all over. And actually, uh, uh, Patty he Patricia Heaton posted this on her, on her Twitter and I, I loved it. It's a quote from the famous Christian author, C.S. Lewis. The first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that this is a quote that comes out of um, uh, the, uh, the, po the immediately post-World War II era in which uh, the, the C.S. Lewis was British. The Britons had gone through the Battle of Britain. They had known airstrikes from above by, by uh, the uh, Nazi uh, Air Force. And they had known what it was to be a city bombed. And then the world had witnessed the atomic bombs that ended World War II. And there was atomic fear, which we can relate to now, pandemic fear. It's a fear about the end of the world, the end of life, and something coming that you can't prepare for. And so C.S. Lewis said, the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. Amen. That's what we are here. Even though we're spaced apart, we're pulled together. And even though you're streaming apart, we're pulled together. If we're going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, said Lewis, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint or over the phone, as the case may be, and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. I pray that coronavirus is stopped in its tracks. We pray that coronavirus would be wiped out, snuffed out. We pray that cases would go down, not up. But even if there are more diagnosed, and with more testing, there's likely to be more diagnosed, and with more diagnosed, there's likely to be more that pass. Don't panic in the face of that, but persevere in doing those things that the Lord has called you to do, wisely but faithfully, and don't be thinking all the time about the dread of what's coming or what might be. Think instead about the hope of what already is in Christ. Lord, we pray together that you would bring a halt to this disease, that you would bring wisdom to those who are on the front lines of fighting it and peace to the people across the land. We pray that the body of Christ would be strong in our witness. And as we prepare our tithes and offerings to you today, Lord, we pray that you would enable us to Continue forward as a church in harvest, even in the midst of hardship, because we believe, Lord, that by faith, you, who have spoken to us a promise, will fulfill it, a promise of life and that more abundantly, a promise of health, a promise of hope, a promise of help in time of need. We offer to you these tithes and offerings and ask that you would multiply them for your purposes in Jesus' mighty name. You'll come forward and we will receive tithes and offerings at this time.
Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, give, and it will come back to you. When you give, give to the Lord, give in love, give in faith, give in joy and a smile on your face. Give us the Lord has given to you. How you give is the reflection of your gratitude. Oh, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaking the gathering, running over. Give, and it will come back to you. When you give, give to the Lord. When you give, give to the Lord. When you give, give to the Lord. Hallelujah. I do have a few remarks for you today of a devotional nature, and it'll be about like that. Not a full sermon, but a devotion. But next week, God willing, as we resume again in our uh, online service with some small physical presence here, a, uh, a remnant of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah once said, we will devote more of our time, as usual, to more teaching in the Word. But today I felt it was important to approach this topic from a spiritual perspective. That is the topic of coronavirus. And so I want to say just a couple more things. One is, you have this letter. If you haven't already read it, I do ask that you would read it when you go home so that it could fully inform you. And if you have questions, you can call me or the church or text me or email me or email info at mypcf.org if you've got questions or commentary, uh, other things. We want to hear from you, and that's a way that we can stay connected in this time. As you're aware, we're not offering children's ministries classes also during these services. So going forward, it is our plan that we will gather here at 10 a.m. on Sundays, but we will keep the gathering small. If we start to have numbers show up that are larger than what we can manage, and still have the distance, we will ask people graciously to go back home and stream because we do have to maintain uh, those protocols. If something should change, if this situation escalates or the government makes different recommendations or there are legal actions taken that bear on us, we will notify you as soon as possible. We will adapt as necessary. We will adhere and observe to what the authorities ask of us because we recognize how the word of God itself says that the authorities that are over us, whether we like them or not necessarily, are people that have been placed there by the will of God. And so we will yield to what is required of us with wisdom. The only thing that we will not do is we will not contradict the word of the Lord. And so there will always be a way that we will find to somehow connect and share the teaching of the word and the worship of the Lord. But we will do it within the recommendations made to us. So keep alert. Visit the website frequently to see what it says. Stay in touch with one another. But remember this. Come to the end of that letter and 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14. In that passage, the Lord says to his people, I'm going to be a little wild, guys, so you can give me, give me a, a few minutes. <laughs> give me six feet of space. Thank you, brothers. I love you. Um, in that passage, 2 Chronicles 7, the Lord says, when natural disasters come in your land, 
recognize that there is a connection to be seen between the wrong in the land and the wrong in the land. In other words, there's a connection between sin and suffering. That's not a very popular message these days, but it's the message of the Lord. It's, in fact, the message of the gospel, because if you erase the reality that there's a connection between sin and suffering, you void the good news. The good news is this, 2 Chronicles 7, when there's drought or pestilence, when there's locusts that are eating all the harvest, in other words, when there's economic want, have you been to Target lately? Have you been to Costco lately? Have you tried to get toilet paper lately? The locusts have been there. And some of us were the locusts. <laughs> Please, be wise and generous. As Christians, we don't hoard. We are givers, not hoarders. The Lord will provide for you. The people of the Lord who hoarded the manna, the manna became riddled with worms. Whatever you hoard, you've already ruined. But whatever you give away, God will multiply back to you. Amen. When you see things like this in the land, as God's people, you recognize we need to repent. We need to repent for the land. Why would you expect people in the world who don't even know God or don't acknowledge him to repent? Don't point fingers at them and say, you repent. The Lord said, if my people who are called by my name will turn to me and repent, we can repent of our falling short of what God has called us to. But we can also repent for those who don't know to repent themselves. Repent on their behalf because there is sin in the land. Now, I am not saying that coronavirus is somehow on a one-to-one -one corollary. But what I am saying is that it was never the intent of the Lord that viruses would run rampant, killing people in the land. What produced that was the disobedience of people, the deceit of the devil, and the reality of sin. And the Lord said, when those things mount up, when the sin mounts up, and because of that, disaster comes, naturally, or in the form of a plague, then look at this verse and read it with me. Bottom of page three. If my people, let's read together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what we're doing today. And that's what we're going to be doing every day until the land is healed. And the land will be healed by the prayer of the people, by the power of the Spirit, by the blood of Jesus Christ, according to the word of the Lord. I felt this prompting from the Lord today, and somebody out there might think, well, you have no right to say that. And all I can say is, it's only in the Lord that I would say it. And if it's not of the Lord, then it isn't true. But I felt the Lord say to me, as I prepared to come today, and I said, Lord, there are going to be people gathered. And my prayer is that no one gets infected today in our gathering. And my prayer is that no one else be affected by our gathering today. I felt the Lord say to me, plead my blood over your gathering, and my blood will cover your gathering. And you can appropriate that in your home today. That word is to you. 
But I said, Lord, I don't feel that I have the authority to say that unless I know that it is you. I was in another room of the house as I was praying that, and Hazel texted this verse to the whole family, to me, to her parents and siblings. In the, literally, I said, unless you, unless you affirm that to me, Lord, I don't know that you're saying that. And then Psalm 91 came up on my phone right in front of me. Fear nothing, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, no harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home. The word of the Lord to you today is don't be afraid. Now, what I want to say is that is not a promise that is saying none of us will be infected by this disease. I'm not saying God hasn't made that promise to you. I'm saying that's not the promise I just shared. The promise I just shared was the Lord said, I will cover your gathering today in the blood of Jesus. Every time I gather, I'm going to ask for that, and I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus. But it's also important for us to recognize that if one or another of us or someone that we love suddenly finds ourselves face to face with this, don't be afraid then either. Declare Psalm 91 then too. Because the Lord can heal. And in many instances, remember this too, in many instances, COVID is not a death sentence. So don't think the worst. Prepare for the worst, but believe and pray for the best and for the miraculous. I said it better in the letter. In the letter, I put it this way. Prepare for the worst, expect or hope for the best, and pray and believe for the miraculous. So that's what we're doing. All right, I'm not done. I'm just getting started. I want to take five minutes, five minutes, and talk to you about Ephesians chapter 3. It relates to what we've been talking about today. It genuinely does. I haven't shoehorned it in. In fact, as I came back and read Ephesians 3 one more time, right before uh, coming in today, I thought, it's the word of the Lord to us. I'm not going to go over all of the details. We'll look more at the book of Ephesians and its layout next week. But I want to talk about the mystery that is revealed in Ephesians 3. We talked previously in chapter 1 about the promises of the Lord, the promise to give us faith, the promise to pull us together in the Spirit, the promise to fill us with and by His Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, Paul extends on those promises. He, he builds, as it were, on the promises. Or, more accurately, he talks about how God builds on the promises. How God brought us to life out of death. And if that's not an encouragement to you in this present circumstance, what could be? You're saying, what if this disease comes and kills me? There was a greater disease, is a greater disease in the world. Every single one of us is infected by it, and it's absolutely fatal in every condition. And it's the disease of sin. And it results in death. And we were already dead. And God brought us to life with the blood and the body of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only brought us to life, but he brought us together. Say brought together. That's why it's so important that we're connecting. And he brought us together forever. Say brought together forever. We are built to last. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is going to keep on 
building up this edifice. I like to think of the book of Ephesians as bodybuilding. He's starting from the ground up and showing us from this firm foundation up into the heavenlies how robustly God has put us together into this wonderful temple of his spirit. It's a mystery, but God has now made it known. Paul is writing about how God's eternal plans and purposes have always been known to God, but haven't always been known to us. And by the way, if you'd like some of these notes, if you're streaming online, you can click on the events page on our website and look at today's uh, message and you'll see it says download the bulletin. You can download a PDF of the bulletin and it'll have some of these notes for you. You can print that out if you like. Or again, contact me if you'd like that. So God has made manifest. That is, what was invisible has been made visible. What was behind the curtain has been revealed. The revelation of God's plan is being made and it's an eternal plan. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A week ago, coronavirus didn't have the same place in your mind that it does today. But Jesus Christ was the same a week ago, and he'll be the same a week from now, and on into eternity, because he doesn't change. And his plan has that kind of durability. His ministry has that kind of power. The messianic ministry of God. I told you about on my blog page, I wrote recently about the divine download. The messianic ministry of Jesus Christ is that the spirit by which Jesus did what he did, how he taught, how he healed, how he prayed, how he called, how he saved, that same spirit is on you and me, is in us. Paul prays that the church would perceive that to the uttermost, that the church would recognize how empowered you and I are. See, some people would say, in this season of time, why would you gather? But hospitals are a place where people gather. Are hospitals shutting down now? Because they're vitally necessary. I got a message, I live in Santa Clarita, we got a message from our, our uh, local government saying that the city agencies and many departments were closing down, but the CHP, the sheriff's office, those would remain fully staffed. But do you think that they can't communicate it to each other? Of course they can. But the reality is there's a vital role they serve that if that doesn't get served, it's a greater cost than the risk that is being taken. We serve a vital role. We are the people of God who can speak the word of God into our land, who can pray the repentance needed into our land, who can declare against the plague, against the virus, halt, be stuck, be thrown into the sea. Our role is vital. So even though there's a certain risk involved, we can't fail in moving forward with that role. And thank God that you know that people who work in a hospital are being well advised and well cared for by their management. And the same with law enforcement. How much better is the grace and power of God by his spirit that is upon you and me, that is in us to empower us to carry out this ministry. It's crucial because the body of Christ, as imperfect as we may yet be, are nevertheless being perfected in Christ. And God is at work in us to fulfill his manifold majesty. That is the many different ways in which God's gloriousness is revealed to us. All the different elements of his plan. The word manifold means, or comes from literally, many folds. Something that is all collected together with many different segments or parts. 
In an engine, the manifold has lots of different chambers, which facilitates the movement of that vehicle, the power of that engine flowing and being released. Or at least as well as I understand it, I'm no mechanic. But let me say to you that the body of Christ has many different members, and all of them are together part of the manifold majesty of God. Paul pens this revelation that says, here is God's plan from the beginning, not to divide people apart, Jew and and Gentile, but to bring people together in the body of Christ. And his plan from the beginning was to fill you, not only with his power, but with the confidence in that power to be the body of Christ and do the work of the Lord and make a difference in the world and move mountains and save lives and call people to the truth of the good news that if you repent, God will forgive and God will heal and his majesty will come and be with you and you will be his majesty. Corona means crown. The enemy is trying to steal a crown, but every crown falls at the feet of Christ who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Christ says, you are my crown. I'll put you on. I'll wear you as the jewels on my head, as the sign of my love, as the bride at my side, as the body of Christ. Body of Christ, Manakapati, brothers and sisters, know it. Know who you are in Christ and what you are called to be. And beloved, if anyone, anywhere, even in this room, does not know the Lord, has not called on his name, has not yielded to that invitation of the Lord that says there's sin, not just in the land, but in you. But if you will be my people, if you will call on my name, I'll make you my own and I'll heal you and I will deliver you and I'll save you eternally. And today is the day. If ever there was a time to recognize that you don't know what tomorrow holds, if ever there was a time to recognize that our time on this earth is limited and that we must make the most of the day that we have, today is a day to give your life to the Lord and to receive the wholeness, the fullness, the health, the eternal hope of his. Do that now. Let's all do that now. Let's all once again renew our commitment or make it for the first time in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. And we confess we are sinners. In fact, will you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I confess my sin and that I live among sinful people. I thank you that the blood you shed in the body you gave brings me forgiveness. Cleanse me with your blood. Put me in your body. Fill me with your spirit. Give me faith. Give me courage. Give me the gospel. And I will spread your word. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Friend, if that's the first time you've prayed that prayer, let us know. Even in these circumstances, even at this time, that is a prayer that deserves to be celebrated. And it's a prayer with results. You need to be connected to the local body of Christ. Even if that's just through the internet right now, that's fine. But 
Make that connection real. Formalize it. Let the Lord fill you with his goodness and his glory through his body into which you have now been brought and made a member, part of the manifold majesty of the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you for being present with us today. Thank you for being people of faith. Now go and carry this word of hope and pray for those that are sick and believe that God will heal and pray for those that lead and believe that God will guide and govern and pray for the body of Christ and pray for the land, knowing that when we pray, God hears our prayers. Amen. May the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glorious grace bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen and amen.